0: So before we get started today, um, real quick, I just wanna remind everyone that last week on the podcast, we talked about a studio moving sale um, that I'm currently having on my work. And we just set up a link for our listeners to make it easier find this to find the sale and that's at www.messystudiopodcast.com slash sale so um, if you're having trouble figuring out where to go look at the work just go to www.messystudiopodcast.com slash sale on with the show Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Rebecca Kroll, professional artist, author, and co-owner of Cold Academy. Today we're talking with special guest Ross Tickner about liberating technologies. As artists engage for the most part in fairly traditional, long-established ways of working, it may be hard to understand or embrace new technologies. Yet artists have always been involved in revolutionary advances in culture and technology. Here to discuss some of these technologies that have wonderfully liberating potential for artists is Ross Tickner, an entrepreneur who has been involved in many creative pursuits, a podcaster, audio producer, and my son. Welcome, Ross.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Rebecca. And uh, I got to say, I'm a huge fan of the Messy Studio. Oh, you now. Yeah, I've I've actually listened to every single episode, uh, a lot of them more than once.
0: Well, good for you. (laughs)
1: So uh, thank you so much for having me on the podcast to talk about this concept. I think it's something that is particularly applicable to artists. Um, So I'm going to talk briefly about liberating technologies, what they are, um, why they should be important to everyone, and why it is important for artists in particular to participate in their development and promotion. Um, And mostly we're going to be talking about 3D printing and how that can be used by artists specifically and how it is being used by artists. And yeah, why it should be adopted by artists.
0: It, it's it's interesting. Yeah. It, there's a lot of applications, actually. So
1: Yeah. And there's a lot to unpack here, but I'm going to kind of cruise through just okay. the opening, um, you know, laying out what this whole thing is. So All right. Uh, so liberating technologies is a concept to describe how advances in technology can make us more free. Um, so when I say more free, I'm not just talking about uh, you know, governments or corporations, but um, free to pursue our real purpose in life. So we're talking about economic freedom. Um, and so in the past, most of this was time saving technology. This was um, like you can think about uh, dishwashers and washing machines and vacuum cleaners and how these were instrumental in women's liberation um, and also uh, farm machinery like tractors and um, these technologies were mostly labor-saving devices, and they freed us from doing chores all the time. Um, they also increased the product, the productive output of each individual. And increasing the individual output for each worker makes us all more wealthy. Um, so this is why we don't live as subsistence farmers. And even subsistence farming was a technological advancement over um, a hunter-gatherer type society. So in the present day, um, the the biggest advancements in these liberating technologies um, have been in communications for the most part, so the internet. Um, and most of our listeners to this podcast um, will remember a time before the internet. Um, if you're much younger than I am, you don't remember a time before the internet, which is kind of an interesting I, mental exercise to think about what it would grow, be to, to grow up in a time when this technology has always existed and it's just a part of your life.
0: Yeah, it would be hard to imagine. We're, we're so involved with it now. And yet, as you say, lots of people listening to this remember when it was first getting going and remembering how slow it was and how you, know, you could sit there for many minutes while you're... Your screen loaded over the tele, over the phone connection. Yeah, whatever. I remember
1: bringing a magazine with me to check email yes. and listening to the the screech of a 56k modem, and that's something that younger people uh, don't really understand no. or recognize. Um, but the internet has we've we've seen these tremendous changes in our lives, um, and uh, there some of them are positive and some of them are negative. Um, but it is much easier today to be an entrepreneur to be able to uh, be self-supportive and to to make a living online, Um, it's also if you make your living online, then you are free to live wherever you want.
0: Mm -hmm. You're not
1: tied down to a specific location for a specific job. And you also have unlimited reach for your message or for a product that you're selling. Um, And so it really opens up a lot of doors and brings down a lot of boundaries that have uh, prevented people from fulfilling their full potential in the past.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think especially in in the last year with with all the changes with COVID, people became even more aware of what could be done with um, entrepreneurship and the internet. So there's uh, even more awareness of that now.
1: Right. And this is of particular concern to artists um, because... um, it's If we don't have to have a, a full-time job that is taking us away from our art, then we can concentrate more fully on what fulfills us as people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I have, looking out into kind of future casting, there's a, a number of technologies that I've identified that I feel are going to be revolutionary for our lives and changing the way that our economy functions and the way that we uh, th- go about our daily lives. Um, and what I'm seeing in the future is a, an overall decentralization of the economy as a result of these technologies. Um, and these, I've I've kind of identified three that I focus on personally. There are others out there, um, but the three that I'm really focused on are cryptocurrency. Um, encrypted communications and 3D printing. And in particular, 3D printing is something that I've become very passionate about, which I feel has a, a whole lot of potential for artists. Mm-hmm. So first of all, um, I think that these changes are coming regardless of any of our personal interactions with them. Um, and I, I think that these changes are going to come regardless of um, whether anybody wants them to or not, mm-hmm. um, I I view this as somewhat inevitable. I guess I would say that Pandora's box is already open.
0: Yeah, I can I can see that. I, I think I mean even remembering back to when the internet um, started to become much bigger part of people's lives, and there was definitely you know some feeling of resistance or what's happening. This is going to keep people from communicating, <laughs> which is kind of funny. I mean there are lots of ways that it enhances communication, but a lot of fears about um, changes to people's lives if if everything is done online and so on, and yet it obviously it happens because right. once once these things start to roll, um, you know you can either pull yourself back from it and say I have we'll have nothing to do with this, but it seems healthier overall to learn about it and see um, how you want to be involved with it if you do. Uh, but at least become informed about it because it is going to be happening around us, whether whether we embrace it or not ourselves. So
1: yeah, and I think that the internet is a, is the best kind of analog for for what I'm talking about. The people, especially pe- people who are listening to this podcast, can probably remember what it looks like to see these sta- these changes happening in real oh, yeah. time. Um, and I think that it's also very understandable for people who are listening to this that. Um, early adopters of this technology are going to reap the most benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's my mission in coming on the podcast today to try to get artists to participate in being early adopters because they will benefit then disproportionately and they can also advance these technologies and shape the, the culture around them.
0: Yeah, that's um, a good point.
1: So I I want to just quickly talk about uh crypto and encrypted communications. Um I don't want to spend too much time on this. Um if uh if you're interested in these technologies um then please go do your own research. Um it, in particular with with cryptocurrencies, um it's a it's a very high risk um high reward market. Um but now is a very good time to buy. The crypto markets are at a, a very low point right now. Um, and uh, this is going to tend to be a, a good way to preserve and grow your wealth over time. Um, generally, when you're looking at these market trends, you want to look at a window of ten years or or something like that, not not the last couple days or couple months. They are very volatile markets, but over time, they they are um, they do tend to grow. So it tends to be um, fairly safe over time, but in the short run um it can be extremely risky and and we want to make sure if you're investing your you know in in financial um if you're if you're risking your own money in this uh you know particularly particularly if you're on a fixed income and you don't necessarily have all the money in the world you want to be very very careful with this and and you want to do your own research make your own
0: choices and i think probably you should just sort of briefly explain what that is i mean how does it work if you're if you're involved in cryptocurrency, uh, buying and selling—I mean, I don't totally get it myself. Right.
1: So the the best way you can think about this, um, particularly with with Bitcoin, um, which is the main one, that if you're particularly if you're not familiar with this space, um, I wouldn't go investing in in random. Uh, digital currencies. I would focus on the the major uh, the major currencies that are being adopted. So Bitcoin has actually become the um, the official currency of, I believe, El Salvador, um, and so it is becoming adopted as a as a global currency. Uh, but you can think of it um, as a a kind of form of digital gold. Um, it's uh, it's brought into the market in a very controlled way. Um, through what's called mining. And I mean, we can we can go way into the weeds <laughs> on this in terms of how mining works, but basically it, it controls the, the rate at which Bitcoin enters the market. Um, this is built into the structure of Bitcoin, which is built on something called the blockchain.
0: But, but how do you, you know, if I have bought Bitcoin and I have this in my account, how right. do I spend it?
1: Uh, so Bitcoin... I tend to think of it as a great um, storage of value, um, not a great means of exchange. Mm. Um, there's, with any of these cryptocurrencies, there's going to be fees associated with moving in and out of them um, and with uh, transferring uh, Bitcoin from, from one digital wallet to another. Um, and there are cryptocurrencies with lower fees. Um, uh, fees associated with using them, um, which make them perhaps more usable as, but as they're, currency. But they're
0: more like a savings account. Right.
1: And that's why and that's why I think of Bitcoin as being like digital gold, because you don't walk around with a purse full of gold coins, you know, that's not very practical. They're right. heavy. They're difficult to exchange. Um, but they are a great store of value. Okay. And so that's that's the way I would think of Bitcoin.
0: And I remember, you know, you we were talking about this a while ago, and you said, well, if you had... Let's say, you know, as an artist, you sold some work and you were feeling like I've got this extra money. I don't necessarily need it to live on. That might be a time to think about
1: yeah, putting it, some
0: of that into Bitcoin.
1: Yes, I would think of it as a savings account. Yeah. And uh, this, is, this is something that, I mean, we could easily talk for several hours yeah. just about Bitcoin, let alone cryptocurrencies as a whole. And I, I don't want to focus too much on this because it's it's a it's a technology that I'm passionate about, but it doesn't really quite have that that application to artists where you can just grab no, just, onto it.
0: Just in terms of though, we all need to ma- manage our finances in a smart way, and you know I was interested to learn about it and think, well, yeah, maybe I'll I'll get some of this because you know I'm I'm selling a lot of artwork right now because of my studio sale. <laughs> well, maybe I'll put some of that into Bitcoin because I mean you sort of convinced me actually this is. This is a good idea if you got a little extra somehow.
1: Yeah, and it's definitely it's worth spending the time to learn about it and yeah. understand how it works. Yeah. Um, it, because I, really, you shouldn't be investing in anything that you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and But this is going to become a part of our lives. Um, I think that, that this is one of those technologies which is inevitable. It is going to become a something that we are are interacting with on a regular basis so it is worth the time to try to invest in in that
0: knowledge and i think you know even more than that what we were talking about when we started here was sort of being open to new technologies so um you know not if you i think a lot of people of my age if you hear somebody talking about bitcoins or whatever like i have no idea i don't care to know what is that you know it's like you just sort of push it aside. Um, But the general attitude of being open to these things seems to me a positive thing. And so if you know a little bit and you learn a little bit more, you know, it, it opens a door to something that could be really useful for you. So what about the other one you mentioned, um encryption yeah, en- as just briefly?
1: Right, encrypted communications. This one I feel is very important because it protects you and and your identity online. Um and so this is this is important um, you know, because you don't necessarily want those entities which are on the internet searching for identity information to be able to collect that on you Mm
0: -hmm. Um, a lot of people are worried about that
1: right yeah and there's i mean generally if somebody's trying to identify information about you on the internet it's not for your benefit it's for their benefit (laughs) right and there's plenty of bad actors on the internet there's plenty of hackers um and so it's it's important to protect protect your personal information um and so to me it's like It's uh, engaging in activity on the internet when you're not using a VPN, when you're not encrypting your communications is um, it's just kind of like an unnecessarily risky behavior. Um, And so it is something that I encourage everyone to do, like encrypt everything all the time as much as possible.
0: And and what and if somebody wanted to learn about that, I'm sure they can Google it. I mean yeah. that's another one that you say, Oh, okay, well what is that? You know, I mean I yeah, have no at, idea. <laughs>
1: at a bare minimum, I would look into getting a VPN and I would start using an encrypted messaging service, uh, like Telegram or Signal.
0: Okay. So, let's get to the good stuff for artists. Okay,
1: so 3D printing is what I really want to talk about. I I want to kind of lay the groundwork for some of this other stuff, but 3D printing has the most application to artists, and it's the thing that I'm personally most excited about. Um, So, this is what makes 3D printing special is that it's a completely new way of making things. Um, and creating things. So like in the past, it, you, would ha- you might have a block of marble and you were chipping away and carving away at it. Or you might do the same thing with wood or, or other materials. Um, but with 3D printing, you're actually building up layers of material, right? So you're adding material rather than removing it, which is kind of interesting to begin with in terms of just a design function. Um, But it's also this is um, it's a it's a decentralized way of making things Um, and it it has the potential for rapid design and prototyping. Um, So just in terms of like making useful things, it's a it's a revolutionary technology Um, and it has the potential to change the way that we conduct conduct business. So no more shipping small plastic pieces to and from China. You know, which is uh, incredibly beneficial to our planet. Um, you know, we have the potential to produce to reduce a lot of our emissions, um, and uh, and reduce a lot of our waste. Um, and uh, it also means that you kind of own your own little mini factory like you own your own means of production which um, in an economic sense is something that wasn't really envisioned 200 years ago um, when we kind of have the the economic philosophy being laid down for capitalism or socialism this uh, this idea of who owns the means of production you know is it communally owned or is it owned by a private company? But owning your own individual factory was something that nobody really envisioned in the past.
0: But there was, I mean, there was also a time when people made a lot of their own stuff. Right. (laughs) Like, you know, in the past, if you needed something, you might carve it out of wood or, you know, you might make something. Yeah. And then we went into this whole industrialization time where you buy the part.
1: Yeah. There was this uh, period of specialization Mm -hmm. um, and industrialization. Um, but you the individual never had the the capacity for mass production yeah. um you know so this what this technology does is uh you could you could potentially uh, have six of these machines running all at the same time and you would have the the same productive output as a as a small factory with several workers
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so it's it's a uh, it, it's massively increasing the productive output of a single individual, um, and and really decentralizing that whole process so that you're not uh, necessarily dependent on other people for that production. Mm-hmm. So that's so, kind of the economic that, that yeah. to me this is like why this is groundbreaking technology that's going to change the way that we live. Right,
0: it's not going to go away because of these economic advantages and the way it can fit into what people need or want to do. Right. So what about artists? I mean,
1: so what's wonderful for artists is that artists can uh, create new things and not rely on somebody else. to So if you, if there's like, you have this in your head, Oh, I could use this tool you know, to apply paint in a certain way or remove paint in a certain way like you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you could design this in a in a 3D space um, on your desktop uh, and send it to your printer and print it. And uh, it's gone from a thought bubble in your head to physical reality in a matter of maybe a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that rapid ability to create new things that change your world, change your ability to to, um, to create things.
0: Yeah. So you can invent, uh, tools, you can invent, um, if you want to create a certain texture on your surface, you could, right. you could print out that texture.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah, so you could, you could create a custom roller that, that rolls texture, um, onto your work. You could create uh, custom 3d elements that you incorporate into your work. Uh,
0: what, there was something, um, we were talking about, were you you started with a I think it was a, a woodcut an image um, and you tell me what that was I can't remember
1: yeah so what I had done was um, I'd taken a an image of um, this this uh, this well-known piece of Japanese art, the, the with wave, the, yeah, the yeah. big wave. I, I'm completely spacing on what the actual name of that piece it's okay. is.
0: But I, I <laughs> we think could probably all picture it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, the one it has like, the, the wave has these really interesting kind of little claws, yes. textures. Um, and, uh, and so what I actually did was um, I brought that into a photo manipulation software and turned it into a black and white image and I hiked the the bright the contrast and adjusted the brightness until it was it was really just black and and white without any gray Um, and then from there I could pull that image into uh, a program called Tinkercad which is a 3d modeling work environment and uh you know the the image comes into that workspace and I can uh, I can adjust the height of it um and apply it to a surface and then you know i have a stamp i i can print right. that out on my 3d printer and i have a stamp of that but i i could easily do that with something that you know a photo i took or it's a amazing. a uh, uh, something that i drew
0: right so you could yeah you could make a drawing create basically a printing plate from it right um or a stamp as you say and use that um to print onto your canvas your right. panel your paper whatever you want to do
1: well and i i made you a uh, a printing press
0: yes you and did we could
1: actually <laughs> run that stamp through your printing press and and yes. make prints with it
0: right so yes you made me this this mini printing press and it it works i mean it's got a press bed it's got a little you know crank thing to to put your paper through it and it's it's intriguing um now, there is there is a size limitation, I understand, for most people would not have the ability to print something really large with this. Right,
1: yeah, the printer that I'm working with can print items that are slightly smaller than than one foot cube.
0: Uh-huh, yeah, but you can, I mean, if you think about all the tools that you use in your studio, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you're also limited by the materials that will print. We can talk about that right. in a second. Right, right. But, um, you know, anything that makes an impression, that makes a texture, that could be used to scrape or gouge, um, anything like that, you could make it.
1: And the, and the the possibilities are really only limited by your creativity. Um, anything that you can think of uh, that, that could be uh, rendered in a three-dimensional environment and then produced in this way. Um, so there's there's really there's boundless possibilities for what artists could do with this. And that's part of why I'm like pitching this so hard to artists is because I want to see what kind of cool stuff they can do with it.
0: Um, yeah and and not only creating tools and things like practical application, you could make I mean there that could go on and on. You could make little storage units for your certain things. People are always asking how do you store your paint sticks or whatever. I mean you could design something. But you can also create art with these with this technology. And just before we started podcasting, we were looking around um, the internet a little bit. If you Google, you know, three um, D printing art, there's some really interesting sculptural um, work out there with uh, figures and with abstract forms and things. So, you know, as you were saying, it's it's a it's a building up of layers, and so anything that you could print out that was built up in layers, you could create. And it could be because you could make it from small parts, it could be as big as you want.
1: Right. And I think maybe this is a good time to kind of talk about what is 3D printing and how does it work exactly? Because I think that maybe people are at this point having a hard time picturing exactly what we're talking about. That's probably true. Um, I've
0: I've talked to you enough about it to have a pretty good idea. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead with the basics. So,
1: So basically what this is, is a... There's a, a spool of filament, which is material, um, that is fed into a heated nozzle. Uh, th- this works a lot like a hot glue gun. Oh, okay. So the, the filament spools in, and it is the, the movement of the filament and then the movement of the nozzle is controlled by a, a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the nozzle moves over a build plate, and it, it builds up material one tiny, thin layer at a time. And you can you can set that layer height. There's a there's many things that you can adjust in, in the way that this thing functions, um, but basically it's moving over a build plate and it's building up these layers one at a time. And these layers are slices um, of of an object, and uh, this this is generated um, by what's mm-hmm. called a slicer program. Um, so you would take a three D model and bring it into a slicer program on your computer. And this slicer program generates a series of basically like two-dimensional images or slices of that object, and then the the 3D printer um, extrudes material one slice at a time to build up into a, a a three-dimensional object.
0: Right, and and you, I mean, obviously the most common material. That you would use in the 3D printer is a form of plastic, but I was interested when you, we were talking about that, you said, well, you know, the best one to use for most things is actually corn-based. It's not right. a petroleum-based plastic.
1: Right. there, So there are a number of different kinds of plastic that you can use when 3D printing. Um, So there's ABS. ABS is what Legos are made from. And this requires a high temperature and a very controlled environment. Um, And it creates a high strength material. It can be very useful, um, but it also produces some potentially harmful fumes. So you want to be careful with that. Um, Then there's PETG or PETG, um, which uh, it it has a little bit more kind of flex, but it's also prone to snapping. The, The great thing about Pet G is that it's food grade, so you can you can use it for functional um, utensils and things oh, like I that. See. <laughs> um, Interesting, yeah. but it is kind of difficult to work with, difficult to print. Um, and with either one of these plastics, there is always waste that's produced um, in the 3D printing process. Um, and so these kind of non-biodegradable plastics, I tend to avoid using unless I've already troubleshooted the design. Um, but PLA is the is the plastic that is most commonly printed. Um, And PLA is easy to print. Um, It can be produced to withstand high impacts. Um, And it is, as you mentioned, starch-based. It's made from corn usually, and it's actually biodegradable. You can stick it in the ground and it'll break down into nothing, essentially. Um, And what that means is that if parts are going to be exposed or things that you're creating are going to be exposed to moisture, then you do need to coat them. You know, I, I recommend just using a a regular uh, enamel spray paint, um, for, for most objects. Um, but they, they are fairly durable on their own as long as you don't stick them in the ground Mm -hmm. or submerge them for a long period of time and in water. Um, and then there are other materials that you can, you can print, as well. There's there's TPU, which is a, a flexible material. It's more kind of like rubber. Hmm. Um, you can also print in wood pulp um, and create uh, wooden objects oh, wow. that can be actually stained um, huh. and sanded and, and treated just that's like wood. Um, and there's also concrete. Um, there are 3D printers that can print houses out of concrete.
0: That's, that's so amazing. So, Um, probably if people are interested in this, they're not going to start out making houses. So they're going to start with something small. And what, what, another thing that's pretty interesting about this is that, um, the The printer itself is not expensive, nor, yeah. nor are the materials that well, you use.
1: The printer that I recommend is the, uh, is the Creality Ender 3. Um, and the reason I recommend this printer is because there is a lot of aftermarket support for it. There's lots of little upgrades that you can get. Um, and there's a lot of people using this printer that can help you troubleshoot if you have any problems. But the Ender 3 generally runs under $200. Um, I often see them on sale for around $160, $180. Um, and if you get that, you get a couple of upgrades. Maybe you get a glass bed and some upgraded springs. I, you know, you're you're right around that two hundred dollar mark. Um, and then spools of filament. These are uh, one kilogram spools, so two point two pounds, um, and those generally run around twenty dollars.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and you can do a whole lot of printing on a single spool.
0: And the only other thing you need is your you just your computer, your regular yes, computer. your regular yeah. computer, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and your imagination,
0: right? And you. You actually uh, just kept this in a closet, right? Yes. Yeah. Just, just, yeah, it just doesn't mine, take up much space.
1: Yes, and they, they are a little bit noisy unless you upgrade the uh, the motherboard. They do make some beeps and st- like that. Never really bothered me a whole mm-hmm. lot, but um, but they are. Uh, I do tend to like to have it in, in in a kind of enclosed area where I can shut the door. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's it's not expensive at all. It's it's a it's a very approachable technology, um, and by the time you've printed a few things where you've saved money, the thing is paid for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do recommend um, before you jump into 3D printing, it's, it's really fun to just kind of see what other people are doing and what you can make. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, a website that I recommend for that is uh, Thingiverse. So thing I verse. Okay. <laughs> so, well, we, we can put, yeah, I'll, I'll put, links. I'll put a link in the description yeah. of the, of the episode, but it's, it's a place where people share three dimensional designs, which can be 3d printed.
0: And that, is that where you got um, the idea for the printing press, the little press that you, yeah, I,
1: I, I believe I got that off of Thingiverse. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, but that is an open source project. And um, I believe it's called uh, open printer. I'll, I'll find the link for yeah, that as well.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, you know, it's exciting, and and the fact that it's not expensive to just try it. Um, how how computer savvy do you have to be to to create the designs?
1: So creating designs uh, can get complicated, but there are programs that are very easy to use. So the one that I like to use the most is uh, is Tinkercad, and Tinkercad involves just building up basic shapes. Um, and so it's, it's a lot like working with Legos. You're, you're working with basic shapes and combining them into mm. more complicated shapes. Um, and you can do a lot with that actually. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a program that has, um, quite a bit of capability. Um, but it's, it's very approachable. There, there are a number of, uh, educational lessons that you can take on Tinkercad that teach you how to do, they, it's things like building chess pieces and things like yeah. that.
0: Well, it would be nice, you know, if, if you knew somebody that knew how to do it, that could just sort of, you know, that that sort of threshold of approaching a whole new new technology, new computer knowledge, is it's a little daunting.
1: Yeah, and I want to stress that you don't need to design things from scratch in order to enjoy 3D printing and get a lot out of it. Um, you can definitely do a lot by working with designs that other people have made. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is extremely rewarding to take something from just an idea yeah. to physical reality there's like i can't really describe in words that uh-huh. feeling
0: it's creativity it is yeah, it yeah. is but
1: it's there's something just so incredible about building something on your on your desktop in your in your computer
0: Yeah. And then then seeing it. And
1: then seeing this robot build it for you. (laughs) I,
0: I remember seeing one of these 3D printers years ago in a children's museum. I think it was up in Minneapolis and it was making little dinosaurs and things. Yeah. It seemed like magic. You know, it was incredible to see it happening, and that was quite a while ago. I think yeah. we were kids.
1: I, I joke with Kara that that our kids that for for our kids this is going to be. It's kind of like how kids today have grown up with the internet, where it's just kind of everywhere. And yeah,
0: or like microwaves yeah, or something.
1: Exactly, but and and so for us, it's you know we're watching the thing move and yes. build this. <laughs> you know, just watching this this thing print, and I, I can envision you know our kids who are growing up with this stuff in oh, yeah, their right. daily lives. Uh, here's mom and dad just watching the printer <laughs> go again.
0: <laughs> right. You know? Right. Uh, yeah. I mean that the technology that will be taken for granted is just getting going now. Um, and I do think, you know, even if you're not interested in, in creating three dimensional art, which is a big thing for this. When you think about, um, just little things that you could make for your studio is pretty interesting. Um, so, uh, any final thoughts to wrap up this session?
1: Um, I guess I, I'd I'd like to really focus on um, how these liberating technologies have drastically changed the way that we live already, and mostly for the better over time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there these technologies they they will be used for things that you don't like, mm-hmm. um, but they will be used to make drastic wonderful changes
0: to our lives as well Mm -hmm. Um, yeah there's always a downside to technology but it's but i think that's a reason to to uh take it in a positive direction yourself
1: right and i'd like to see artists stepping into that role and being a part of the culture around these technologies Mm -hmm. um and as i pointed out at the beginning um the the, the early adopters are going to see the most dividends from getting involved in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and artists have an opportunity, um, particularly with 3d printing uh, to shape the way that other people interact with these technologies. Yeah. Um, and the costs are lower than ever. Um, and the creative options available to artists have never been greater. Yeah. Um. It's, it's really, it's only limited by your imagination. Wow. And artists have tremendous imaginations.
0: <laughs> yes, we do.
1: So, so yeah, the, the artists who, who are um, on that cutting edge uh, with, the, with their incorporation of technology into their practice, um, I really think that they're not only going to be viewed as creatives, but as innovators and revolutionaries and people who
0: change the world all right well that just about wraps up this episode of the messy studio for more from the messy studio please check out messystudiopodcast.com you can also find the messy studio on facebook as well as public profiles for both myself and ross subscribe to the messy studio on your favorite podcatcher and remember to leave us a five-star rating and review thanks for listening we'll be back again next week until then embrace your creative space messy or otherwise (laughs)